0: Well, have you ever felt like the man who discovered a cure for amnesia, but he forgot it? <laughs> have you ever felt that way—the man who discovered the cure for amnesia forever forgot? I heard about uh, an elderly couple that was struggling with remembering things. So they went to the doctor and they told the doctor, "Doc, we're having a hard time remembering things." And the doctor said, "Okay, here's what you need to do: write down everything, so that way you won't forget it." So they go home. And the wife said, honey, I'd like to have some ice cream. So he got up and she said, nope, write it down. He goes, ah, I got it. You need ice cream. I, I can remember that, honey. She said, okay. Well, then I want ice cream with whip topping. And she said, you better write it down. He said, I'm not writing it down. I know you want ice cream with whip topping. She said, well, I want ice cream with whip topping and a cherry on top you better write it down. He said, I'm not writing it down. I know you want ice cream with whip topping and a cherry on top. I'll be right back. He we went to the kitchen and it was a long time. A lot of clanging around and suddenly he came out the door with a plate of eggs and bacon. And she looked at that and she said, you forgot the toast. think about it. There you go. All right. (laughs) I forget a lot of things. I don't know about you. Um, Years ago when I was in martial arts, my son and I, I came back at home and my wife said, where's Jeremy? He's back at the martial arts studio. I'll be right back. Have you ever had those moments when you just Uh, forgotten things. I mean, I'm sometimes embarrassed, and it's so, it's frustrating when you forget what you know you've studied. Sometimes I'm like, why did I go to school for all those years? Half the time, I can't even remember half that stuff. You know, I took two years of Hebrew, but if you give me a Hebrew Bible, I'm probably not going to read it (laughs) because I don't remember it. All right, it's just Greek to me when I see it. So, you know, uh, it's hard to, it's so frustrating when you you learn stuff and and you, you forget about it. And Sir Thomas More said this, the world doesn't need to be informed as much as it needs to be reminded. You know, that's why when you look in the Bible, you see over and over again, God says, remember, 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 don't forget. Don't forget. And you know, the reality is on on Sunday, if you've been in church for a long time or you've been a follower of Jesus, it's probably unlikely that you're going to walk out of here saying, I never thought of that. So why do we come to church? Because we forget. We forget things. And there's a lot of danger in forgetting things. There there was a, a headline in 2018 that said, study shows that Americans are forgetting about the Holocaust. Another article went on and said, Two-thirds of American millennials surveyed in a recent poll cannot identify what Auschwitz is, according to a study released on the Holocaust Remembrance Day that found that knowledge of that genocide that killed six million Jews during World War II is not robust among American adults. Another article I was going through says, The historical ignorance might also explain why a lot of millennials have such a favorable view of socialism. In fact, in a recent poll, 63% of millennials say they would prefer socialism over capitalism. Uh, Because again, there's just a lot of people don't know the past and what the past is out. And George Santana said this, those who fail to learn the the lessons of history are doomed to repeat it. And that's the problem when we forget You know we've been talking in this series about our identity in Christ, and there's some incredible things. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and let me define that, that means you're a person who, at some point in your life, you said, "I know I'm a sinner. I I I'm rebellious. I need a savior." And you know what? I was thinking about that this morning. Our culture is looking for saviors. Guess what? Our politicians are promising to be the savior. You elect me, I'll give you this, and I'll give you that, and I'll take care of this, and I'll take care of that. Our culture, people are looking for saviors, and a Christ follower is a person at one point said, I don't need a government savior, I need a savior for my own rebellion and I've rebelled against God and I need a savior and that person is a person who says look I look at this man Jesus and he rose from the dead he proved everything he said was true and so he must be it he said he was God in the flesh the only way the truth the life so okay Jesus here it is I'm putting my complete faith and trust in you I'm not trying to do it on my own here you go here's my heart take and seal it that's a Christ follower and as we said the Bible says that Christ's followers, the New Testament, Christ's followers are given a new identity. We're called saints. We're called saints. We're not called in the New Testament sinners anymore. We are called saints. Now, do we sin? Yes. Sometimes we do. We should sin less, right? We'll never be sinless, but we should sin less. But the New Testament identifies us as saints. And again, there's lots of benefits to that. Uh, We've been going through Ephesians there, and uh, lots of benefits to saints, and I don't think my clicker is working for some reason. Um, Lots of benefits to being a a saint, and that is that we're holy, and that we're blameless, and that we're adopted, and that we're freed, and we're forgiven, and we're accepted, and we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. These are incredible benefits that we have as being saints. I don't know about you, but that's exciting to me. I mean, when I get up in the morning and I've been making this my practice, saying, I am a saint. This is what I am. And I don't know about you, but that gives me strength to walk through the day. So when saint tempts me, I'm like, hey, I don't have to give in to this. I'm a saint. I'm holy in God's sight. I'm blameless in God's sight. I'm adopted by God. I'm freed from slavery of sin. I'm forgiven. I'm accepted. I'm sealed. I I don't have to go down this road. This is not who I am. I'm a saint. And, And that's incredible those incredible incredible benefits now I've never worked in the corporate world per se I've always worked for small employers uh, pretty much most of my life but I know that in corporate world you kind of have two groupings of employees you have the salaried and you have the hourly employees and to be honest the salaried employees typically get more benefits a lot of times they'll maybe get a 401k plan, or they get more vacation time, or, or they get a, a better health insurance plan, a parental leave, or they have certainly a lot of flexibility in their work schedules. Now, hourly people can do something most salaried people can't, in that they can get overtime pay. Most salaried people can't do that. But by and large, uh, you would probably, and some of y'all might correct me if I'm wrong, but by and large, it seems that salary people just get a little bit more than the hourly people, Okay. Now here's the temptation. If you were ever a salaried employee, it might be tempting for you to look down on the hourly folks. That can happen easily. In fact, the reality is all of us have a tendency to look down on people. I know we don't want to admit it, but let's just be real. We, for some of us, it may be a tendency to look down on people who are poor. For some people, it may be a tendency to look down on people who have a different skin color. For some of us, it may be a tendency to look down on people who we don't think are as smart or whatever. It may be to look down on people who came from the other side of the tracks. Right? There's a tendency, it's just natural in all of us to have something that at times if we're not careful to look down on other people. And the reason is, is because we all struggle with this sin called pride. Pride is the root of of all sin. And so we all have a tendency to be prideful in some way. Well, here's the thing. Saints, if you're a saint, we have these incredible benefits. But if we're not careful, we can have a tendency to look down on the sinners who are sinners. Sinners are people who have never repented of their sin and come to faith in Christ. They are the ungodly. They 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 are those who have never repented. They are those who are living in their sin and and, you know paul in ephesians 1 as we've been going through some of ephesians he's been talking about the fact that the saints were chosen by god we're sealed by the holy spirit we're redeemed by the son we got the whole godhead here at work in us and stuff and it's real tempting though for us as saints to look down on sinners if we're not careful it's real tempting And again, sinners don't have the benefits we have, all right? Sinners are not holy in God's sight. Sinners are not blameless in God's sight. Sinners have not been adopted into God's family. Sinners are not freed from sin. They're in the bondage to sin. They're not accepted. They're not sealed by the Holy Spirit. Sinners don't have the benefits, if you're a saint, that you have. And it's real easy for us as saints to look down on people who are blinded by sin. Maybe you have found yourself at times looking down on that person who's struggling with drug addiction. Or you found yourself looking down on that person who's struggling with alcoholism. Or that person who's addicted to pornography. Or maybe you found yourself looking down on people that teach that we're just a product of some cosmic accident. And like, those people are so stupid. You may find yourself looking down on people who are looking to government for their salvation rather than God. And you might think, those people are so nuts. Here's the thing. They're blinded. They're lost. They don't see. We see as saints. Your eyes have been opened. But it's tempting, if we're not careful, to look down on the sinners. I know I have. I know I've had my moments. Just being honest, I've had my moments. It's real tempting for us to do that. So how do we, as saints, so I'm, I'm going to assume everybody's a saint. If you're not, again, I just shared with you how to become one. How do we, as saints, not look down on the sinners, on the blind? Well, here's my challenge. My challenge this morning is for you To live in humility. If you are a saint, my challenge for you this morning is to live in humility. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Because here in this passage, Paul reminds believers who they are in Christ, what they were, and what God has done for them. And if we're not careful, it's real easy for us to forget who we are, what God has done for us. So Ephesians chapter 1, let's take a look at verse uh, Ephesians chapter 2, I'm sorry, starting in verse 1. He says this, here's what Paul says, And you, speaking to saints, were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, worldly age, according to the ruler who exercises authority over the lower heavens." Let me give this to Rob. Okay. The spirit now working in the disobedient. All right, look at verse 3 here. It says this. We too previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and our thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath, as were the others... Also, now if you look, this is where English helps, all right? Now, some of us, English wasn't maybe our best subject, all right? My wife is a grammar Nazi. She's really good in English, okay? She, does, she does, does what she does all week with folks. I'm not always the best in English, all right? Ain't ain't no reason for me to learn that stuff, right? But if you look at this text, you will see over and over past tense verbs this is basic English right look at what Paul says you were this you previously walked this way you were by nature children of wrath why does he say past tense because he's speaking to saints this is not what you are now this is what you used to be so here's my challenge is for you to remember and let me just give you a few points here a humble saint A humble saint remembers. You and I need to remember. Again, look at what we were. We were these things. And let me tell you what you need to remember. A humble saint remembers the past before repentance. A humble saint remembers the past before repentance. Now here's the thing. How many of y'all were saved when you were less than 10 years old? How many of you were saved after age 10? All right, most of us. Great, that's good. Because I'll tell you something. For those of us, I was saved at the age of six. So I didn't really live a rebellious life that much. Okay, I don't have a big story or anything like that. But what's easy for me, those of us who were saved very young, is to forget, though, still what we were. Maybe you've been saved 40, 50, 60 years. Maybe you were saved after age 10, but maybe it's been 50 years, 40 years. You've been saved for a long time, and what's really easy for us is to forget what we used to be. And so we we forget that at one time before Christ, here's what you were. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Notice that's a plural there, trespasses and sin. You you were dead in these two things. And that idea in the original language is you were constantly involved in those things. And that's what sinners do, right? Sinners are constantly involved in sin. They're constantly involved in those trespasses or false steps. They're constantly involved in those sins, which are to miss the mark. That's what a sinner does. We look at sinners out there and we're like, how can you not see that? Because they're blind and they're dead in that. And so for them, they're just living out the natural inclinations of their heart. So so to them, you know, going out and, you know, getting drunk or shooting up drugs or or living with people or doing whatever, to them that's, what's the big deal with that? Right? I'm just partying on, baby. It's life, right? He drink, them. For tomorrow we die, right? So why not? Now, it's easy for us as Christ followers to look down on them, but here's the deal. You used to be just as blind. Right? At one point, you were also dead in your trespasses and sin at one point you were not focused on pleasing God you were focused on pleasing yourself at one point you were focused on you know but you were buying into the philosophy of the world hey if everybody's doing it why not right if it feels good do it eat drink and be merry for tomorrow we die you used and I used to buy into that long time ago and that type of thinking Is rooted in Satan. Notice that Paul says that he is the ruler of this atmospheric domain. You know, and 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 you notice here in the text that Satan is the ruler. He's always working. It's a present tense there in the original language. In the disobedient, he's always working in the disobedient. Satan is always at work in the world, and Satan is the god of this age. And he has blinded people. Whether we like it or not, this current world is under the sway of Satan. Now, God's ultimately in control. Satan can't do anything without God's permission. All right, And we know that this is all heading towards a climax... When the king of kings will return to this earth and he will rule and reign. And God has a plan and purpose. When all this is over, you know, we're going through the best of all possible worlds now so that we can be in the best of all possible worlds later. So we know right now that God has a plan and purpose for this. But right now he is allowing Satan to be loosed. And this world is under the control of Satan. And here's Satan's goal. Satan's goal is to call evil good and to call good evil. And I don't know if you, if you watch the headlines, that's what's happening right before our eyes today in this world. What used to be called evil in America is now being called good. And what used to be called good in America is now being more and more called evil. That's Satan's goal. Satan, Jesus said in John 8, is a a liar. He loves to twist the truth. That's what Satan does. You know, we hear that today. I hear, I hear people say, well, that's not your truth. My truth is not your truth. Your truth is not my truth. That's a bunch of hogwash. There's only one truth. There is absolute truth. You know, you'll have people say, if somebody ever says to you, there's no such thing as absolute truth. Here's how you respond. Are you absolutely sure? Think about it. Turn the question on itself. There's no such thing as absolute truth. Are you absolutely sure? Because you just said there's no such thing of it, but you made an absolute truth statement. Y'all think about it. You can think about that tonight. But we hear that all the time. Turn the question on itself. These, these, a lot of this stuff just collapses on top of itself, but that, but a lot of people don't think that far. They just throw things out there. And that's Satan's goal. He has blinded this world. And, and again, just remember, here's what I want you to remember, saints. We are all born sinners we're born in sin all right we are we're, we're, we're sin thank you rob all right thank you brother we're all born in sin we're born dead in our trespasses and sin and notice that paul puts himself in the middle of this picture in verse three if you go back to the text he said we too he's now including him the apostles okay i mean he, he's a human too we too jews included okay the you you could say is the gentiles but we too did this we too all previously walked and lived among them in our fleshly desires okay so here is even the, maybe you could argue the greatest disciple maker of all Paul saying that used to be me even though I was mr. religious guy growing up I still walked in this stuff I still entertain those thoughts in my mind in fact you ask yourself how did Paul how was Paul so effective in his ministry Because he never forgot what he used to be. He never forgot what he used to be. He had a new identity as a saint. But he never forgot that he used to be a sinner. He never forgot that the people that he was preaching to and teaching to or in the Hall of Tyranius or whether he was in Mars Hill in Athens he never forgot that the people that he was speaking to and teaching to were people who were in their trespasses and sin he never forgot that he used to be there but now this is what he is he's a saint in Christ and he never forgot that so when he preached to them he didn't preach looking down on them he preached to them about you can be made alive in Christ you don't have to live This way. Paul was effective because he never forgot that people were buying into the wisdom of this world. They were under the sway of Satan and they were living out the inclinations of their flesh and the only way they could be changed was through Christ. And Paul never forgot who he was, what he used to be, and what he is now. A humble saint remembers the past before repentance. Here's another one. A humble saint remembers what god has done look at look at verse 4 and these two words are probably the most powerful words in scripture but god cuz he's like this is what you used to be dead in your trespasses and sin walked according to the inclination of the world this is what you used to be but god <laughs> 90 degree turn who is rich in mercy Because of his great love that he had for us. The only reason that Paul knew he could call God Father legitimately was because of God's great love and mercy for him. Listen, a saint remembers what God has done. They don't forget that. They don't forget what they used to be, but they also don't forget what God has done out of his great love for you and I. Look, he didn't have to do this. I was sharing with the Bible study group Wednesday night uh, in my prayer time the other day it just hit me God has created billions of planets they tell us there's billions of galaxies Um, and when you think maybe there's twenty billion people that have lived in the expanse of all this galaxy God could have said when Adam and Eve sinned hey forget you I'm going over here to Santarius 5 and starting over and maybe 20 billion people had lived and died on the earth, it would just be like a little trickle going through into eternity, and God could have said, I oh, forget that, and gone over here. But because of his great love for us, he said, no, I care about that little trickle. Because 20 billion people is really nothing in God's world. Because we can't, it's infinite. But God loved us so much, and his mercy, mercy just simply get, remi- means not getting what you deserve we deserve this, right? We were dead in our trespasses and sin, but God, because of his great love and mercy, because he had for us. So a saint remembers what God has done. And and again, I'll tell you, here's a mark of a saint, by the way. Grace receivers are grace givers. If you've received God's grace, then you're going to give God's grace. If a person says they're a Christian and they don't give grace they're lying I think because if you've received it how can you not give it and if you've given it how have you been given it how can you not give it out right because grace receivers are grace givers a humble saint remembers what God has done a humble saint remembers his or her position in Christ look at verse 5 he goes on he says God There has made us alive with the Messiah. Even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. You didn't make yourself alive, all right? You had nothing to do with your salvation. You responded to the the call of God, and God did everything. All right. All you did was reach up that hand of faith and God took hold of it. He's the one that pulled you out of the pit. He's the one that energized you. All right. He has made you alive in Christ. We didn't deserve it. There's nothing good in us. God did all this work. And notice he says, You, he has made us alive in Christ. And that verb there is a, basically, it's designating a permanent sense. It's a perfect tense verb there, which is a permanent sense. You and I are made alive, and this is permanent. This is your permanent state as a saint. You are alive in Christ, and that permanent state has been a result of God's past action. God made us alive in Christ. And look at, what, look at how God saved us, verse 6 and 7. He also, together with Christ Jesus, He also raised us up and seated us in the heavens with Christ Jesus. This is what He has done for us so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Paul talks about what God did in the past. It's an aorist tense here with the continuing consequences. God did this in the past. He raised us up, made us alive and the continuing consequences into the future. He has seated us with Christ in the heavenly. So here, a saint, you are alive with Christ. You are seated with Christ. You are raised up with Christ. You have this new position in Christ. A saint remembers that. A saint remembers their past. A saint remembers what God has done. A saint remembers their position with Christ. A saint also remembers God's grace. Verse 8 and 9, most of you have memorized this. For by grace you're saved. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It's God's gift. Not from works, so that no one should boast. The only reason we're going to heaven is because God gave us something we didn't deserve. That's called grace. It's the only reason. Because let me tell you, if it was about earning our way to heaven, it wouldn't be heaven. We'd be sitting at, well, I don't think Starbucks will be in heaven. We'd be sitting at Holy Grounds in heaven. Think about it. We'd be sitting at Holy Grounds coffee shop. And if it was a matter of works, Lillian might say, well, I've done all this and this and this and this. And Linda might be saying, I didn't do that much. Why am I here? And then we'd see Billy Graham walk by. You know? We're like, oh, why are any of us up here? Well, look. That wouldn't be heaven. That'd be horrible. Billy Graham walks by in heaven. Hey, Billy, nice to see you. It doesn't matter. He's there for the same reason I'm there. Because of God's grace. That's has nothing to do with what he did. It's because of God's grace. It's a level playing field in heaven. That's why it's going to be nice when we're sitting at Holy ground sipping coffee. Because nobody's going to be comparing anybody to anybody else because there's nothing to compare to. Why are you here? Because of God's grace. Why are you here? Because of God's grace. Same answer. And a saint never forgets that the only reason they have this new identity as saint is because of God's grace. Grace for what God has done. And lastly, a saint remembers his or her purpose. Look at verse 10. For we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. Saints are, notice where we're our position, we're created in Christ Jesus, we're in Him. You don't make yourself into a saint, God does that. God's the one that gives you the identity when you respond to Christ. He then gives you the identity as saint. You are in Him, as I've been sharing in this series, when God sees you, He sees you through Christ, okay? He's seeing you through the lens of Christ, you are in Him. But He also has a purpose for you and I. Now, have you ever asked yourself, why in the moment when I receive Christ, didn't I just die and go to heaven? I mean, you know, would have been, you know, Lord Jesus come coming to my heart. Boom, you're gone. Why does he keep us here? Well, he has a purpose for us. He has a purpose for us. Paul says we're creating Christ Jesus for good works. We're here to be a light in the world. We're here to show love to the unloved. We're here to show grace to people who don't deserve grace because we've received grace. We're here to show mercy to those who don't deserve mercy. We're here to be Christ's hands and feet in the world. That's why we're here. We do things like the rummage sale. It takes a lot of work, but guess what? There'll be people on the other side of the world that get the benefit from water because of that. There'll be people from the hurricane that get a little bit of extra food because of the work here. There'll be people in this community who... Maybe last week got a hotel room or there might be people in this community who get food out of the blessing box because of our, that's our good works. That's what we're here to do. We're here to give a cup of cold water in Christ. Here's the thing, folks. Saints never forget who and what they were. Saints never forget who and what they are. Saints never forget what Christ has done for them. Now, I want you to think back maybe the moment you responded to Christ. Pretty good chance you were super excited about God. When I received Christ as a young boy at age six, I wanted to tell everybody, I remember my mom, I, we had revival at church back then a couple times a year. And uh, we were in kind of a fire-breathing church. And uh, I remember that um, we would, I would get a stack of flyers. This was before it was probably illegal, or if it was, I didn't know it. And I'd go put them in mailboxes all throughout the community. I want people to know. I remember telling my cousins about Jesus. I wanted people to know. But you know, sometimes along the way we lose the fire, don't we? We forget. We forget how Christ radically changed our lives. Somewhere along the way we start growing apathetic. We start looking down on the sinners. We start mocking them and making fun of them. Somewhere along the way we seem to forget that we were saved by grace and it had nothing to do with us, it was a gift, God's grace. Somewhere along the way, we've forgotten the feeling of being blinded, alienated from God, dead in our trespasses. Somewhere along the way, we forget that. And my challenge to you is don't forget. Don't forget who you are, what you are, and what God has done for you. A saint remembers.